This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We are busy this year with um, this theme scripture, Matthew 6 verse 33. Uh, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then he will add all things to us. You know, that's the theme scripture for us as the church here in Stellenbosch. In the context of people worrying, being anxious, being afraid, the Lord says, but you first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And um, I again, want to encourage you in this week, you know, if you have opportunity, this, some of you remember Gabriel that was preaching here last year, the big guy who played for Poch's first team and then went to America, the, the Poch guy who has an American accent. Can some of you remember him? How many of you remember him? Wave your hands. Okay, so lots of you. But um, so they're bringing out a team, some American people and some from Poch. Can you believe it? The Lord can use people from Poch. Amen. Okay, so um, they're coming on Tuesday and Wednesday. I actually got a WhatsApp from somebody in Poch and said, please don't complain. There are actually literally people living in Poch. Okay, so sorry, Poch people. But in any case, so... Um, you know, we, so they're coming on Tuesday from 12 to 4. They're going to walk around on campus, and they're going to uh, minister to people. So if you want to join them, come to the office. If you've got lots of time, show for offices, and we'll send you out with them. Where they just two by two, go and pray for the sick, pray for people to be healed. So there's about 60 of them coming. So if you see funny people walking around, just greet them and say, Hey, are you the potch people? If they don't re- you know, respond, just go on with your life. Okay, just rem- remove the awkwardness. We're also going to give you an opportunity now to give. So um, if you're visiting us for the first time, please, the ushers, they're going to walk around. I'm going to take up the offering quickly because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. And um, if, by the way, if you didn't know that, for you to attend this service tonight cost somebody 30 rand. Did you know that? Because to be in this hall... To have this equipment and all this stuff is a hundred thousand rand a month. So somebody's paying for you to be here, and that's the church. People in the church that tithe and give offering and love the Lord through their giving. So I'm just saying that, by the way, if you didn't know, that um, it's not free to be in this hall. It costs us a hundred thousand rand a month, and it's great. And people in the church are giving, as the Lord tells them to give, and um, so. Yeah, let's not be consumers. Let's be givers and um, come f- to the place of giving. We have amazing people, directors of companies and great people that sow into the church. And uh, this church also gives. You know, we just had um, a couple moving to northern India where one of the pastors that we support, Pastor Chuba, they're reaching out to the unreached of the unreached. Um, just an amazing testimony just in this week, that, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, after praying for seven years for an unreached tribe that they last saw in 1970. They thought the tribe has disappeared into the woods up in in northern India. Um, After praying, him and his wife, and we prayed when we were there three years ago, said, Lord, we want to connect with that tribe because they've never heard the gospel. They've never heard of Jesus. And about three weeks ago, they appeared in his backyard, a missionary hospital. They've got an orphanage of 20 people by a storm, brought them, brought them over the mountains. In 12 o'clock at night, he heard the sheep of that nomad tribe in his backyard. 
and he started to reach out to them. Now we know where they are, and we're sending a team up there to go and preach the good news of Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So if you're part of this church, you are also reaching out to India and lots of places like that, and I want to encourage you to um, go on missions. It will change your life this June, July, or July university holidays. We um, trusting God for all the borders to open up. Uh, amen. Okay, so that you can go. You must have a word to stay. Did you know that, Skulk? You must get a word to stay because the Lord already said go. Amen. <laughs> okay, so pray about staying. Don't pray about going. Okay. Okay, I'm not getting a lot of amens there. Okay, just waiting for the ushers to get ready. So pray for Pastor um, Darbury and Mina. They're going there for three years. People that were district leaders here in the church. They're moving in three weeks. They just got their passports and visas with their three children. And some of you know Pastor Eugene and his wife here with us. They're also moving to India at the end of the year, planting a church in India. So it's great to be part of a, a church who's got a vision to reach the nations. Our purpose statement is to reach the nations and generations through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, are you ready? Get your seatbelts on. Okay, it's quite a long sermon topic. I didn't actually know what to call it, but um, if you don't know, just say the book of Acts, okay. Uh, <clears throat> the kingdom, to have a kingdom lifestyle, community, and revival. Okay, all we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at a couple of chapters in the book of Acts. And we're going to ask God, God, what is the norm for the church? What are the things that define the first church? Because sometimes we think church is a nice happening, it's a nice social club, like a tennis club. We just go there on a Sunday, braai, eat, and oh, great, you know. And then we say, oh, I'm going to go to that church because they, you know, they have free, free sausages and free this every Sunday. And I'm going to go to that church because it's like, but what is church and what is God destined for church? And it's going to blow your mind a little bit when we look at the church that wasn't founded. Jesus founded the church long before the book of Acts, but the church was sort of launched into a dimension that was just unstoppable. And many people will call that revival. Many people will call that, I just call that the church, the norm of the church. And so um, I remember going to a men's camp five, six years ago in Namibia, and it was Stephen Lungu and I, we, we were like going to speak there. And so the first night it was tough. These Namibian, any Namibia people? Yeah, raise your hand. Oh, great, land flowing with milk, honey, and bultong. Amen, okay? Yeah, nice bultong. But in any case, so, um, <clears throat> and so we're going up there to this place, and there's just a bunch of men. Lots of them arrived drunk already the Friday. They thought it's going to be a party, a social weekend, and they didn't know it's a men's camp, you know? And so, yeah, we preached the gospel the first night, and there's literally very few responses. You know, it's hard ground. Everyone is sitting like this, checking out who's that short man and who's that black man with him because I, uh, yeah, first I had to work through some of the issues. But um, so the first night was terrible. It was like nice. There was nice meat, but just no response. So we, the, that night, Stephen and I and some of the pastors, they were sitting around the table, and we're just crying out to God, God, you have to break you have to break these hardened hearts. I remember this, the Saturday morning, so now it was my turn to speak. 
And I walk up and I just think, oh, this is Saturday morning is the worst time to preach, you know. Like this Saturday morning when Johnny Bell is preaching at the men's camp, he's 80 years old, planted 300 churches in Ukraine and Russia. Then Werner Hubert from Survivor is, is um, going to speak. He preached here a couple of weeks ago. And then the evening, um, Tish um, from Live Village in, the, in, um, in Natal is going to uh, preach. Uh, the evening at the men's camp, so don't miss out. You're going to really miss out if, you, if you're not there, guys. Try and be there. Try and uh, multiply your studies and all that stuff. But in any case, so here we are at this men's camp. That was a freebie, just an ad in between. But, um, <clears throat> and so I'm walking up, and we're in the worship, and I'm just thinking, Lord, there's just no way we can try in the natural to reach out to these men or to break these hardened hearts. And as I'm standing there, the last worship song, the Holy Spirit gives me a word of knowledge for one guy. And sometimes it's just one guy. Sometimes just one guy that responds, you know. And it's a tough word. The word was like this. I said, the Lord told me there's a guy there that's standing in that crowd of about 500 men. And, um, <clears throat> and he is not well in his soul. He's very angry. But, you know, he's come here and he just decided he's going to receive nothing. But his life is in trouble. His marriage is in trouble. He hasn't got a relationship with his kids. And you know what? He was standing around the fire and he said, now this is what the Lord is downloading to me. You know, he's just saying all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is, this is crazy, you know. And so they said to the guys, oh, no, you rather want to stay at the fire and have a bride than go into this session with this bunch of Christians. But that's actually the literal words he used with his friends before the session. And the one friend just said, come. And so he came. I said, the reason and the way God knows it is that there is a set of pills in your left pocket, antidepressant pills, and you drink about 18 of them per day. And you thought in your head as you're saying that, that God doesn't know. God is real. He will show himself to me. That was what the guy said. I said, the Lord just told me. So I went up, I said that. I, so like, that's what they call the word of knowledge. You find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. talks about it. And I'm thinking like, oh, you know, I'm going to die a thousand deaths, you know. So here I stand up. I said, there's a guy here. This is what you said to your friends. This is what you thought. And the reason and the way that I can prove it is there's a set of pills in your left pocket. The Lord says, come right now in front of all of these men. Come to the front. And tell God you need him. And just as quiet as it is in here now, it was quiet. Then it became quieter. Then it became dead quiet. Then it became dead, deader, deadster quiet, you know. And I'm standing there and I'm sweating myself away because nobody's responding. And now Lisbeth says, wait, there's a guy here. And so now I begin to breathe, and I think like, oh, Lord, let the rapture happen now, you know, I don't know. <laughs> These people are not going to listen to me, you know, what on earth? They're never going to respond, you know. And the next moment, I'll never forget it, a guy starts walking right from the back, starts walking slowly to the front, and he comes. And as he comes right to the front, he takes the set of pulls out of his pocket, and he throws it against the screen, and he falls on the ground, and he begins to weep. Like a baby. And for an half an hour we pray. All the men come around that man. And he breaks before God. And God heals him. Restores him. You see that's more than 500 sermons by the way. 
But if we play church, church, nobody will be set free. If we just come for entertainment, sorry, our lives will just become passive and consumeristic. So there was a kingdom dynamics that the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, we say, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. They were one accord in agreement and suddenly, say suddenly, a couple of hundred got this. Jesus said to them, go to the upper room. 380 disappeared. Only 120 were obedient. And only 120 that were obedient went to the upper room because they were afraid. They were in Jerusalem and they were going to be killed. But they waited. And it was tough up there. I've been with some Angus up to the upper room there in Jerusalem, sitting in that little room. And I thought, like, how on earth can you fit 120 people in this room? <laughs> and for long days, relationally, they had to look. <clears throat> but suddenly, a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, not just some. All, all were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Speaking in tongues, what? It's in the Bible. The first church was launched by the filling of the Holy Spirit. We call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these, they began to speak in these tongues, and the most amazing thing, it was signs and wonders, because what happened is everyone, the Hellenists, the Persians, the Greeks in Jerusalem, that all came for the festival, Suddenly they said, well, because these guys are all speaking in our languages. Supernatural, supernatural. But the result was that some were amazed and perplexed and others mocked. When God begins to move, you will have one of two responses. You'll be amazed, perplexed and say, wow, God. Or you'll start to mock. Because you feel uncomfortable. Because maybe you don't understand. Sorry, it's in Scripture. The coming of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Just a bunch of ordinary people. I see some ordinary people here. I mean, <laughs> cool. That's where it started, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. So now some people are confused. Some people don't go. You see, when God moves, He's not interested in our boxes. He's not interested in our liturgy and all this stuff. When God moves, he's, He moves in the way that He wants to. <laughs> And he's not a respecter of you or me or our culture. Sometimes he moves. You know, I saw some of you say, you know, when we sang that Mali Bongwe, you were good at the Mali Bongwe, but later on you were just like, you know. And you think like, no, this all, God can't sing in Zulu. Ah, oh, he can. I mean, he created Zulu. I mean. But he created all the languages. And it's so beautiful, you know. Because sometimes if we don't culturally understand something, we think like, oh, it's not God. But that's why you have to go on missions, because you're going to be challenged, and you're going to be changed, because you realize, like, wow, God can also move with chili Indians. Not Indians in chili, Indians that eat chili, I mean, okay? And you think, like, wow, how can God use people with food like this? But in any case, hallelujah, Acts chapter 2, verse 40 to 47. So now there's confusion, and then Peter stands up, and he preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel. He doesn't preach doctrine. And he doesn't preach for people to become nicer people. Because most of churches like ours today, their preaching is just about encouragement, motivation, and it's all around making people better people. But Peter stands up and he says, the Jesus who you killed. Not them, who you killed. And you killed. 
and you killed and I killed. You need to repent. He preaches a gospel of repentance. If repentance is not at the heart of the gospel, it's not the gospel. So every time there was a move of God, there was a preaching of the gospel. And then there was a response called repentance to the gospel. I'm just going through the first couple of books of the book of Acts. And so this, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received these words were baptized, and the day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly. This should be the center of the community, in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayers. Wow, and then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Sure. Breaking of bread, apostles' doctrine, fellowship, prayers. And then fear came upon every soul. So there was a revival dynamic. There was a, there was a community dynamic among these people. The second thing that happens in this kingdom community is really a stirring, you know. Or the third thing, sorry. A sharing and unity. Listen to this. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any, anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And again breaking of bread from house to house. That's our small groups. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. It's such a simple heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We see this dynamic of multiplication, sharing, unity. But they were so simplistic in heart because they were not thinking just of themselves. They were sharing everything and they're saying, hey, if you have a need, I have a need. If you have a breakthrough, I have a breakthrough. If you lose, if you suffer, I suffer. Wow, what a dynamic of this small little community that would change the world through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came, and then suddenly they were like, these tensions about the stuff, and then they came together daily. They became the church. They were not meeting at church. And so please, if you're here with us, don't say, I'm going to church on Sunday. No, say, we are the church, and we just, by the way, meeting on Sunday. Because our relationship is the church and our relationship with God and our coming together in our small group or around a bride, the church happens. Amen? Apostles' doctrine, praying, teaching. You're very quiet here tonight, but we're picking up speed. Just go like this. And you go like this. So fasten your seatbelt. Okay. So, Acts chapter 3. So now we jump another chapter. And it's so beautiful. I love Scripture because Scripture is clear. Scripture tells you exactly what God's expectation is of you and of me and how it should work. And when I read these scriptures, I must say, I'm challenged. I feel very unsaved. I said, oh, Lord, please, our, our culture is so bad. It's so far removed from a real Christian biblical culture. Because if, if I would walk up here and ask maybe 90% of people to please go and sell all their possessions and share it, then 90% of all says, oh, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, that word is not from the Lord. That you're a false prophet, and I knew it all the time, you know. <laughs> oh, wow, but there was a sharing. There's a unity. Acts chapter 3, we jump another chapter, and fixing his eyes on him. And so what happens is now these guys go up to the temple. By the way, Jesus passed by that day every day where this man was sitting, this lame man. But we see signs and wonders. We see miracles. And now they walk to the temple and he's fixing his eyes on him. This is the guy who's lame sitting next to the road on the way to the temple. John and Peter said to, to him, look at us. So he gave them his attention, the lame guy, and expecting to receive something because he was begging. 
Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Wow, what happened to all the silver and the gold that they shared? Now Peter and John says, no, 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 we don't have silver and gold. Because they gave it away. But in any case, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, what I do have is the presence of God. What I do have is a call on my life. And the two of us together, isn't that a beautiful? We, in our culture, mostly is derived by the things we can touch, by the things we have. And we say, oh, you're great because you have a lot. Peter says, I don't have that. I don't have those things, but I have something. I have an authority in Christ. I have an anointing on my life. And you know what we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. And then what happens, he says, listen to this. What I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. You have a spiritual inheritance, and that's what he's saying. You have a spiritual ability once you know Jesus to do the works of Christ. Woo! And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. Wow. The gospel of Jesus Christ without miracles is maybe not his gospel. We don't follow the miracles. We don't follow the signs and the wonders. They follow us. That's what scripture says. We follow Jesus. But if your gospel has no power and it's just the entertainment club, it's not the gospel. Because every time they preached the word, there were signs and wonders. You know, the, this week I was sitting and I was talking to this one pastor of a big church, big charismatic church, meaning people that have a band, jump up and down and say, hey, God loves you. There's hope, grace, talk about all the nice things of the gospel, but they don't believe in signs and wonders. So now I'm sitting and I'm thinking like, oh, how am I going to try to persuade this guy that God actually wants to break the prison doors open. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to set liberty those are captive. That's what Jesus came for, not to just get people to, the, to heaven. That's part of it, salvation, yes, but there's much more than the gospel. So now I'm sitting with this pastor and I'm thinking like, oh, I can't persuade this guy because we're going to get into theological arguments because he's a bit of a cessationist, meaning he says the gifts passed away at the beginning because the first church needed that. We don't need it anymore because they needed it to write scripture. So scripture is the only way God talks now, soli Dio gloria. You'll hear that, especially through Reformed theology and Calvinistic theology. They say the Holy Spirit doesn't move anymore today, which is, I really don't believe that. It's not the truth, because when I read scripture, I read something different. And so here we're sitting with this pastor, and I'm thinking like, oh, Lord, we're having nice breakfast, but I, I'm, I don't want to get in an argument. But the Lord says, just labor with me. Don't try to prove anything. Just, I've, I've already got this settled. So I'm thinking like, okay. So I'm eating my breakfast here at a place. I never go there, because it's too expensive, okay? <laughs> I'm a bit of a cheapy. Look for the, where all the specials are. But in any case, so. Yeah, we said having breakfast. So a lady arrives. I think it's the waitress, but this lady arrives. I say, hello, are you the waitress? So she says, no, 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 I've just come to eat you. So she sits at the table. And so we just, there are four tables there, but just the two of us outside. And this, after 10 minutes, this lady turns around and says, Pastor Sias! <laughs> I'm thinking like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry, what did I do to you, you know? <laughs> and she stands there and she says, the Lord told me I've been depressed for three months. My husband is also now on his way, but the Lord told me today was the first time I'm so afraid of COVID. I've come out of my house. I'm so depressed. First time I've come out of the house and the Lord woke me up this morning and he told me that I must come here. I must come and sit at this table because there's a divine appointment here. 
So, so now I think like, like a lord, <laughs> you've got this one. <laughs> I certainly don't have it, you know. So now we're being said, I said, okay, let's just, we're going to, myself and this pastor, we're going to finish the breakfast, but then we're going to pray for you. So in the meantime, her husband arrives and um, they start eating. And so at the end, we stand up, we go to the table. It's still just the two tables. Nobody else arrived. It's just silence. The waiters disappeared. The rapture happened. I don't know what happened to them. And here we lay hands on this lady. And the Lord begins to give words of knowledge. Halfway through, she begins to weep uncontrollably. Now, now I've asked this other pastor that doesn't believe in the supernatural to lay hands on this lady as well. So he's like, he's, now he's trying to figure this out, you know. You know, and so God just gives very specific stuff over this lady's life. Of da -da 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 -da. I'm not going to go into detail. At the end, the husband jumps up. I don't even know if he's really saved, you know. He says, now you know God exists. How did this, he didn't know that you're like working with your hands and that you do this stuff and you do this stuff and you do this. God is alive. Do you know, you need to get out of your depression. So he starts to preach. I'm just standing and I'm thinking like, this is amazing. Lord, raise up. You're raising up a preacher. You're raising up an unbelieving pastor and you're healing a lady all at the same time of a breakfast, you know. <laughs> Praise God, you know. <laughs> I'm not. And I just happened to be there, you know. It was an expensive breakfast, but hallelujah, it was worth a while. But uh, what am I saying? We serve a God of miracles. And if you don't believe that, just go and read the scriptures. Just go and ask God. Because it's real. He's real. That's, our, that's, our, that's your spiritual inheritance. It's your spiritual legacy. It's the only thing that differentiates true Christianity with every other religion. We are the only, I'm talking about true Christianity. I'm not talking about religious Christianity, people that go to church and just do it as a religion. I'm talking about true Christianity. It's the only place that believes in genuine miracles. Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism, religious Christianity, every other monoistic religion, every other fullness of religion or whatever it is, or non-religion, not one claims miracles. The gospel without power is not the gospel. But then in Acts chapter 4, you can go and read it. So now the miracles happen. And you know what happens the moment when the miracles happen? You get another part of your inheritance. It's called persecution. Oh, and it's beautiful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Paul. Now the religious leaders, they want to lock these guys up and say, now firstly, they want to disprove that it's a miracle. But they get so furious with Paul and Peter and all these guys, and they lock them up into prison. <laughs> they beat them. There's a And again, the gospel is preached. But listen to the response in Acts chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. Now, when they saw, now all these guys, there's now this lame man that started to walk. There's these miracles happening all over the place. And now they have to like, oh, something isn't right here. But verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And what did they realize? They realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against him. I love what Anchor says. One genuine miracle is more than a thousand sermons or trying to persuade people. One genuine miracle from the Lord 
But a miracle comes from God. It's Jesus that does the miracle. People shouldn't marvel at you. They should marvel at the fact that you've been with Jesus. Because a miracle flows out of intimacy with God. If you know Jesus, he's the miracle worker. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the one who saves. He's the one who can walk into your prison and break open that prison door. And he's going to do it tonight in some of your lives. Thank you for that. Amen. Back there. I like that. This sounds more like an African church. I just love Kenya and places like that. They say amen until you're blue in the face. But I just love it. Even the amens are at the wrong time, you know. But it's great. Just, just invoke a response, I mean, yeah. I once said, I once said you know, so just starting, I said, yeah, and we flew here all the way from Johannesburg. And the lady says, amen. And I said, we landed here in Nairobi. And she said, amen. And I said, safely, amen. And I thought, like, oh. amen just means I agree. I said, okay. So I don't know what you agree on, but hallelujah, we landed here safely. Praise the Lord, yeah. <laughs> amen. Sure. If your faith doesn't cost you something, Chris, it's worth nothing. I want to say this if I said it, but somebody else, I'm just quoting somebody else, but it's just very great, you know. If your faith doesn't cost you something. And so some people say, like, yo, people talk about these chauffeur people. They're a bit fundamental. They're a bit radical. Hallelujah. What a compliment. Oh, they're a sect. They were called, they're going to brainwash you. Oh, what a compliment. Because the first disciples were called the sect. They were called the way, you know. They were just so fundamentally different because they were just in love with Jesus. Did they make mistakes? Oh, plenty of them. But I want to rather be a part of a church that follows God with hunger and with passion and that makes lots of mistakes than be a mortuary where everything is cold and clinical and dead. I'd rather want to be a maternity ward. It's messy in there. Sorry, some of you will discover it someday, you know. It's not the oil fog that brings the babies. I just want to tell you, sorry, I want to shatter that deception in your life. It's not, you cannot take a lot it. You cannot, it's not delivery. It's not Uber Eats, okay? That baby comes with sacrifice. Like anything in your life. There's no entitlement. You can't order it. Okay, sorry, sorry. But you, some of you had biology in, 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 in grade six. But in seven, eight. Okay, but hallelujah. But so, so what begins to happen? Persecution breaks out. And, and so in Acts chapter four, also then in verse 13 at the beginning, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, part of our inheritance when we're in this part of this kingdom community is a boldness, a boldness to ask, a boldness to repent, a boldness to forgive. Listen to this. And now, Lord, because this is their prayer. Now persecution comes, and this is what they pray. They say, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. And Lord, how? By stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Oh, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boldness. Verse 32, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things they possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Wow. 
Just go and read through the book of Acts. It will challenge you so much because there was such a boldness. Even in the tough times, they started to ask boldly, God, stretch forth your hand, heal. And then the building was shaken. <laughs> I have friends in Indonesia, pastors. They have regular prayer meetings where the building shakes, just like in the book of Acts. It's almost the norm to them, you know. If it, happens, if it would happen that we would pray tonight together and this building would start to shake, firstly, some of us would panic, and that's, that's just natural. Then half of us would want to write a book about it and say, oh, I was there when the building shook, you know. Why? Because the devil lies to us because the greatest sin in the church in the West is unbelief. Jesus could not do many miracles in Nazareth because, Nazareth because of their unbelief. It's our unbelief that hinders God from moving. Does he want to move? Yes. Is that part of our portion? Yes. Is it part of what the church should define the church and live and give us an identity and a belonging? Yes. Because we read it there. But why do you settle for second best? No, because I just want to be entertained. I actually don't want to call Jesus Lord of my life. Because I'm sometimes afraid. But you know, these pastors in Indonesia, <laughs> when they pray and the building shakes, they don't even realize it anymore. They say, oh yeah, the building shook again. <laughs> Two years ago, we were there. We, were there some of you on that team that year? Just rave at me. Some people, oh, they look at the back. Some of them went with us to Indonesia. When I was, uh, I think it was matric, I read a book from Maltari, The Mighty Wind, Like a Mighty Rushing Wind. And, I, and I'll never forget it. I prayed that time. I said, God, one day I want to go to the church where this happened. And two years ago, they were my witnesses. We were there in that church. So what happened in that church was just a normal group of people praying, calling out to God. The whole community started to think that the church is on fire. Because the Holy Spirit was being poured out in one of their services. So they started to take buckets the whole community took water buckets and started to run and throw it over the church, but the fire couldn't stop. And then they realized it's not a natural fire. Because like in the book of Acts, the people caught fire. <laughs> well, that's weird. Quite a weird story. But if you read the scriptures, it's also quite weird. How can people walk on water? How can they be in the boat one moment Jesus steps into the boat and the Bible says immediately they're on the other side. It's two kilometers, by the way. No, no, but scientifically that doesn't make sense. Well, because it's a miracle. Spell miracle. <laughs> J-E-S-U-S. -S. Okay, but hallelujah. So quickly, we need to pick up some speed. I'm enjoying this too much. This kingdom community, <laughs> I like enthusiastic people. Okay, the Lord bless you. Okay, so what was another ingredient is, was the fear of the Lord, okay? Sure. And this is so missing in the church in the West. In Acts chapter 5, when they started to bring all their stuff together and started to share it, there was this husband and his wife, and they lied to the Holy Spirit. And do you know what? They dropped dead. Because the people in the first church realize it's not a game. They realize Jesus is Lord. And we don't mess with holy things. Because God is love, but he's also holy. 
And when you have the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom in your life. When you know that God is almighty and he is sovereign and he doesn't need to answer to your and my pointing of our fingers. He is God. He's your father. He loves you, but he's also God. I said it, I think it was on Saturday at Encounter 2. We had, what, 75 people, amazing people just joining for members, you know, and saying we want to be members. We want to be part of this community. And so um, last week the Lord told me this is quite a tough one. Grab your seatbelt. And I'm speaking it in love tonight. Most of you sitting here have grown up in an entitlement generation. Meaning it's difficult for you to trust. And it's to take responsibility, sometimes even to work hard. <laughs> but sometimes we think with God we are entitled to certain things when it comes to the kingdom. But I'm going to give you a tip that's going to save you lots of years in your life. Don't think, ever think, that you or I am more special than the principles or the rules of the kingdom of God. What am I saying? Some people think that because God loves you, he's going to oversee all the things that you do wrongly or violate. So if you're here tonight and you're trapped in pornography, you're trapped in masturbation, there's a rule that says what you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap it in your marriage one day. Don't for one moment think, it's like the rule of gravity, that God's laws will bypass you because you're more special. Or I'm more special. Or we as the church are more special. So if there's issues in your life, repent of it. Make your life right before God and before the people around you. And I'm saying it in love tonight. Because some of us think we can get away that we're more special than what God said, how things work in his kingdom. You say, well, no, no, I don't need to get baptized, you know, because my tradition says this, or my this whatever. The Bible says, repent and be baptized. No, 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 but, but my grandfather, what does scripture say? And so, we are deceived as an entitlement culture and generation to really think that we're more special than the things God has put down. And God is not a respecter of people. He loves you so much. But sometimes we have a false grace, a false love. Come on. Don't violate the things of God and think you can get away with it. Maybe it's not in this life, but it will be in the life to come. Because what you sow, you will reap. Not but hard, no, it's just the truth. That brings the fear of God. It's quiet in you, eh? Because it's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Somewhere in the back of our minds, and I'm just speaking out of my own conviction. I'm not trying to point a finger at you. I'm just inviting you <laughs> with the conviction that I have. <laughs> Sometimes I think like, oh God, I'm obviously more special than all the millions of people that have been following you. And all the millions of people that are dying for their faith right now. While we are having this service, more than 40 people would have died physically for their Christian faith in the Middle East. This is not a game. And every two hours, 40 people are martyred for their faith. 
What is your faith costing you, sir? Millions of people over over many, not millions of years, no, 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 over a couple of thousand of years have suffered and said, Lord, we will die. Every believer, every apostle, every disciple in Scripture, the 12 disciples, after the 12th one was chosen again, died a martyr's death. Many of them said, we don't want to be crucified like Jesus. We want to be crucified upside down. The only one they couldn't die, kill, they couldn't die, <laughs> couldn't kill, was, was John. They threw him to Patmos onto an island, tried to burn him in oil, and they couldn't. Hot oil, they put him in a big pot, tried to burn him, they couldn't. Then they excommunicated him, threw him on the, uh, the, on the island of Patmos, and then he wrote the book of Revelations. You see, the cross isn't a beautiful thing, sir. The cross is an object of suffering, of laying down your life. Sorry, somebody had to tell you. The fear of the Lord. But sure, Acts 5, go read Acts 5, go read Acts 5, 41. And so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ as their Lord. Wow. What Bible are we reading? No, no, no. I'm reading that scripture a day. Little. If some of you had that bread. Did you grow up in that little bread, you know? You have this little bread and there's a verse in there every day. I used to have one of those, you know? So I was like, especially when I was a religious Christian, I would take out one and I think like, oh, no, no, no. This isn't nice. This isn't for me. Put it down. Then I'll take another one. Oh, <laughs> this is my verse for the day that keeps the devil away. <laughs> yeah? Wow. Sure. Then I put that one, and then I'll, every third day I get another verse, and I won't like that one, you know. Like, oh, you know. <laughs> wow. Last principle, quickly, in Acts 6. So what begins to happen, we're just looking through the book of Acts, this dynamic of this community coming together, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit beginning to move, and the power of God, and the miracles, and the fear of the Lord, and the persecution that came, and the dynamics of people worshiping God. And so in Acts chapter 6, when the revival, now everything has started to, to build up, and there's a moment when suddenly it just explodes. And we find that in Acts chapter 6, because what happened is now there were like house tension. Who's going to wash the dishes, you know? Who's going to clean up this mess? Because the Hellenists, um, they were like, there was, a, uh, uh, there was a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists uh, because their widows were neglected. And then the 12, the guys in charge there, they called everyone together and they said, oh, you know, we, sh we shouldn't like now get to the table stuff and try. Because now there was a bit of dissension and there was relational friction and challenge because if you follow God, God places you in a relationship and you're going to be challenged. You're going to get offended. People are going to say stuff at you, you know, people are going to sometimes, you know, because the people closest to you that can hurt you the most. And so especially in the church, we're just a bunch of broken people and it's sometimes messy. And then you want to run away. But now this is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. They have this power of God, but there's a lot of broken people. Some widows are neglected. Others are like, oh, we choose you above the others. And then we go on. And then verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business, but we will give ourselves continually to pray and to the ministry of the word. And then they started to choose these men and women, and there's Prochorus, Nicus, lots of, lots of different people. And they were just there to serve, to serve 
in the church to serve in their business to to give out food but the qualification for those people were not people that were great in the natural the bible says they were all filled with the holy spirit full of the holy spirit and then the church started to realize like wow it's not just the preacher in front and the small group leader everyone has got a gift to bring to the table and when they separated these men they laid hands on them and said okay guys this is very spiritual if you greet people at the door it's very spiritual that's your gifting is hosting maybe your gifting is leadership maybe you know because there's gifts of the father that the father gives to you then the gifts of the holy spirit and the gifts of jesus okay that god would give to each one of us as we're sitting and that's why we, we believe in the priesthood of believers we don't just believe you should come here on a sunday and be inspired and then go home and be a miserable christian no you should actually say lord what are the things how do you want to use me because i want to be an attorney i want to be somebody that can do something for you lord and sometimes it's natural stuff sometimes it's emotional stuff sometimes it's spiritual stuff and this is the moment when that happened in the church and the dividing and laying on of hands and people understood their function is different their giftings are different go and read what happened the church exploded because now it wasn't like oh okay Paul is more spiritual than me because he can pray, but I can't do that. And unfortunately, there are many church models that work like that. The pastor is the anointed one, but the rest of us are not anointed. And that's such a lie. I want to be part of that community. I want to be part of... So when people also sometimes like, hey, are you like, what type of church are you? I said, we, we're a book, we're a church that wants to live the book of Acts. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.